1997, when I, I love the way he termed that, when I was ambushed by Jesus Christ as a 27-year-old man, uh, struggling in my marriage and struggling in my life, uh, I, I had a, a brother in Christ. Who I, we started going to church, and I had a brother in Christ. He came to me, and he said, do you want to learn about Jesus? And I said, yes. I have no idea what I'm doing. And that day, or not that day, but that week, we started. He gave me two books. The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And in this book, John Ortberg describes, you know, various spiritual disciplines, things that, that Christians do, typical things that we do, read our Bibles, pray, journal, have spend time in silence and solitude, uh, fast, how to do those types of things. But at the same time, he also gave me a book called Abba's Child, The Cry of the Heart for the Intimate Belonging by Brennan Manning. And the reason is, is because when we read a book like this and it tells us all the things that we should do as Christians, we can be, make a checklist. Okay, I've spent 10 minutes in prayer this morning. Check. But when you read Brennan Manning, if you can't tell, when you read Brennan Manning, what you get is, wow, God loves me. And, and so what happens is, and what's so common, is that we, we take love and we make it into legalism. So we're coming up today uh, on Luke 11, if you want to start turning there. But... Uh, and it and, and starts about Jesus, how he describes how to pray. Or, and one of his disciples says something about prayer. And I, I, I decided, all right, I've preached on prayer. Um, what, what do the people want to know about prayer? How, how, how can I shape the sermon to best help the congregation? So if you should have received an email from me on Monday, and I said... What do you want to know on prayer? And so I, I gave a survey. And um, we got some results, of course. 76.6% of the people who responded to the email said that they pray daily. All right, that's pretty good. Now, the funny thing is, is that January of 2018, when I first arrived, not long after I arrived here, we did an initial survey. And I asked... How often do you pray? So January of 2018, 82% of the people said that they pray daily. We've went backwards. That's a good thing. Do you know why it's a good thing? Because that means that we have more people here who aren't as deep in their faith. See, as a church grows, its spiritual maturity actually should slide backwards because we're always bringing in new people who need to learn about Jesus Christ. So we, we went backwards. Now, so um, of the people who said they pray, um, 81% said that they pray less than 15 minutes a day. 56% said that they pray less than five minutes a day. I'm not making any judgments. I'm just telling you facts. 98%, in fact, one person, 
and I don't know who you are, it's an anonymous survey, one person said that they felt that they prayed enough. Everybody else who responded said, I don't feel like I pray enough. And I want you to understand there are no real surprises. What this church responded is exactly what I expected to hear. It's, it's, it, we're, we're right there. There are we're no real surprises. But the problem is, is that I don't want to be average. I don't think you want to be average. I think we want to have a passion for Jesus that's beyond average. And then 30%, just over 30% said that they feel like they don't even know how to pray. And then there was an opportunity, there was three different opportunities where people could, instead of just checking a box, could write something. And, and I let the elders know, my pastor's heart started to break. When I started reading responses like this, prayer with my spouse is lacking because neither of us know what to say. Not knowing what to say and letting the daily activities get in the way of my relationship with God. I have a I'll do it myself attitude so I don't depend upon God. Am I being sincere? Is God pleased when I talk with him? How and why do I pray? Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? How to stay encouraged when we don't see the results from our prayer? One person just wrote the words, and I'm assuming they just don't know the words to say. The do's and the don'ts of prayer. Why are there so many ways to address God? Which is right? Are there things that we should not ask for in prayer? How to pray like God wants us to and to feel like I'm actually spending good quality time with God? Is it possible for us to use wrong words when we pray? I have fear that I'm saying the wrong things. And another, is there a particular way to pray? And so, as I read through those responses, I realized that we, or some of us, are really focused on the how. And we've lost sight of the why. And so, this morning, what I want us to do is to understand that I'm coming from a point of, that broke my heart. Because and this is an opportunity for us to learn together. Because this is something we can fix. Every question that was just asked this morning, I believe by the end of today we can have that fixed. Um, it's not, I'm not going to give us a bunch of guidelines. I'm not going to give you any secret knowledge. There are no magic words. There's no time requirements, and there's no magic checkboxes to mark off. What I think we merely need to do is to remind us of some things that we already know about Jesus and our relationship with him. And, and we're going to take these red letters from Jesus in Luke 11, and we're gonna let him teach us how to pray, but I have to admit, it's not gonna look like you think it is. So if you would, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 11, starting with verse one. Remember, we're, we're headed towards Jerusalem, we're headed towards the cross. And Luke writes, one morning Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, 
just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not in temptation. But then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let's just go back through it a little bit. I just want to fill in some context so that we understand what's going on in Jesus' day what the disciples understood. First of all, I think that we have to understand that Jesus often prayed alone. He sets our example, he prayed alone. But at one point, a disciple of Jesus Christ walked up upon him, watched him and listened to him and said, I want to pray like that. I want to pray like you do. Something really different. There's just something different about the way you talk to God. So then Jesus says, all right, I'll teach you. This is, here's, here's a prayer. You can use this as a model. But the thing of it is, and what we, we notice about the Lord's prayer, if we actually pay attention to it, is it is a communal prayer. It is, it's when you're, we should be, we could pray the Lord's prayer together. Because it's about we and us. It's not I or me. It's about what we need. It's what about what we do. It's about community. It's something that they could recite together as a body of believers. And then he goes into this story. He tells them a parable about a friend. Well, if we've been catching on as we've been going through Luke, hospitality was a big deal. They didn't have hotels. And so his friend shows up. Now, now understand the situation. They didn't have 24-hour convenience stores. They baked bread every morning. This guy comes in the middle of the night, knocks on his friend's door and says, hey, I'm hungry. Well, hospitality, the rules of hospitality in their culture was, well, you're hungry. You're my, you're my guest. I must feed you. I don't have time to bake bread. So I have to go to my neighbor and see if they have some bread. Now, it's about relationship as well because he knows which neighbor to go to. He goes to the one that he knows the best and has the best opportunity to have bread. But what's the neighbor say? Already in bed. See, we don't really, I mean, we have people show up late at night. They lived in one-room houses. Kids are asleep. Who wants the kids waking up in the middle of the night? I don't know any moms and dads who want, just got them to, no! That one's back up. 
And why is it every kid gets thirsty? As soon as they get in bed, you're back downstairs and tune, 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 I'm thirsty. You weren't 30 seconds ago. What happened? What is it about? Anyway, that's just me. Maybe that doesn't happen. It could just be us. I get that. So that's, that's the, the big context thing. I think we can all kind of grasp where Jesus is, what's going on. The disciples are traveling with him and they hear this. But I don't want us to get focused in on exactly how or what Jesus said. Because if you have, and a lot of you have, the Lord's Prayer memorized, that's, that's not what you have memorized, is it? Most of us have the Lord's Prayer memorized from the book of Matthew, when Matthew wrote it out. And it's different than Luke. And then some of us even have, we have an extra verse that we have memorized, that whole, for yours is the kingdom, because that's not actually even in there, but we have it memorized. So, wait a minute, you mean what Jesus said here, what Luke wrote down, and what Matthew wrote down, those are the Lord's prayer, but they don't even match up? No, they don't. Is that an inconsistency? Does that mean the Bible? No, it just means, guess what? The words don't matter. It doesn't matter what you say, that's not prayer. Prayer's not a matter of what we say. The first lesson we have to learn about what Jesus is trying to see is we have to remember who we are asking. Our Father who art in heaven. And see, I think that the biggest thing here is, is the word Father that is used isn't like, oh, Holy Father. It's Daddy. It's Abba. Father. It's dad. Pop. That's what I called my dad. And every once in a while, when I get really in a good spiritual place, when I'm writing my journal, I write, dear pop. Because I feel that close to God at that moment that I could call him my daddy. And see, this is what the disciple heard. He heard Jesus talking to God the Father in such a way that a little child would run up to his dad and say, Abba, Abba. It's not a matter of the words. It is a matter of how a relationship with our dad, our pop. Paul writes it like this in the book of Romans. He writes, for those who have been led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit who receives does not make us slaves so that you f live in fear again. No, rather the Spirit you receive through your adoption to sonship and to Him we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. See, we are the children of God. We are his sons and daughters. And so when we go, when we start thinking about prayer, it's not about the words, it's about the relationship. See, like the guy knew which neighbor to go to. Well, I'm not going to that neighbor because, well, you know, he doesn't like me. My best chance is this one. They, it's based on relationship. I've shared a number of times that my wife's love language is quality time. Doesn't matter what I say if it's in a letter. What matters is spending time with her. We can't know any person without spending time with them. 
I mean, how many of you, when you say your wedding vows and you walk off the stage, that's the last time you communicated? And yet, how many Christians say, I accept you as my Lord and Savior? And then Jesus never hears from you again. We start a relationship, but we don't spend any time. We don't invest any time. And I'm not, I am not talking about a timeline. I'm not saying put the stopwatch on. But I'm going to guess that five minutes a day is not enough. Just a, just a guess. How many of you, your parents, and you, you, you've watched your sons and daughters, you, they've left the house. You're, you're empty nesting. We have people who, they're, um, they're, we're graduating seniors at this very moment, and kids are leaving home. How many of you want your children to come home for a visit? You want to spend time talking with your children. You don't want a five-minute pass-through. Hi, Mom, how you doing? Hey, Pop, what's in the refrigerator? No, you want them to sit down and let's have a talk. Let's visit. And that's the heart of prayer. It's just visiting with God, sitting down and having a conversation. Because he is, and now, and this is what he said in the video, he's waiting on it. Have you ever thought about Jesus Christ and God? They're waiting on us. They want to hear from us. They desire that. Have you ever thought about that, that God just absolutely desires you? He loves you and wants to spend time with you. That's what he wants. Just time. Some time. I think the other, one of the other lessons that we have to pull out of this is that we, that prayer is about remembering who we are without Jesus. Because Jesus, when he says this last story about which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead, or if he gives an, or asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give? All right, so uh, we're evil. And I think many of us have forgotten that. We've, we've been walking the religious, legalistic thing for so long that we've forgotten how far we've come. We forget that we still sin. I bet... If I were to take a survey this morning, most of you have already sinned. It is, uh, it's not even 10 o'clock this morning. I bet most of you sinned. I bet most of you sinned trying to get your family in the car into church. Or you judged somebody. Or you avoided somebody. I don't want to talk to them today. Or look at that dress. Ha! See, we've sinned in here. You're sinning now because you're lying. I ain't ever done that. <laughs> if Jesus hadn't grabbed me out of my life, I'd be a drunk right now and I'd be divorced. I guarantee it. When, when I go to my family reunions, my own kids go, are you sure you're from this family? because I would have been a totally different person without Jesus. I was a totally different person without Jesus. And everyone in this room who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are someone totally different than you would have been had you not had met him. 
when Jesus says in the, in the prayer for the community, and he says, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. To be a believer in Jesus Christ and part of our prayer, we are going to be asking for forgiveness. We are going to be, I mean, come on, prayer some of us could spend a lot of time just thanking him again and again and again for what he's done for us. Some of us could spend plenty of time praying that, confessing all the things that we've done recently. I don't think that, I don't have any problem thinking of things to pray about, but then this, out of it should come this radical forgiveness. Just like Jesus has forgiven us, then we should be forgiving others, and we, we struggle, we struggle with that one. Author and pastor uh, Brady Boyd, he, he writes it this way, we are swimming in an ocean of grace. Therefore, when someone needs a cup of cold water, we should have plenty to give away. See, we've received so much grace that we should be able to offer it back. See, the most powerful prayer in all of scripture is just a matter of a few words, and Jesus even pointed it out. He pointed out, well, there's a Pharisee praying, and then there's a tax collector. And what does that tax collector say? He says, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And see, many of us, we need to go to back to that. We need to remember that, that prayer, prayer at times is literally just that. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's prayer. See, it's not the words, it's the attitude. It's just this humility of of understanding who we are when we don't have Jesus. Prayers of thanks, prayers of confession. Because see, I don't know about you, but if I didn't have Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I would still be a lost soul. Some of you in this room, you may not have made that confession yet, and you may still be asking questions, but let me just sum it up with this. You want, to, you want to get to that place in your life where you can make that confession and understand that. Because no other person, no other being, no other system loves you the way that Jesus does. And that's just what he wants is a relationship. And finally, that brings us right to it, that prayer is about remembering who we are in Jesus. We are loved like his children. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have this amazing saving grace. We have this opportunity. All of heaven, all eternity is open for us. My favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes in all of scripture takes place in the book of John when his description of the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, if you don't know, he's sitting there, Jesus is sitting there with his 12 disciples. Judas hasn't left the room. And Jesus says, one of you, One of my 12 closest friends, one of you is going to desert me. You're going to deceive me. You're going to turn me over tonight. And Peter, the rock, he's like, hey, me. All the others are like, yeah, it's not me either. And Jesus, you know, he doesn't tell them. He doesn't come right out and say who it is. But Peter says to John, you, you ask him. He'll tell you. Because John John always refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. And so Peter asked John, you ask Jesus who it is. And I love this picture. Picture this in your mind. Close your eyes if you have to. At the table, 
John, the disciple, he leans into the heart, the physical heart of Jesus Christ. He leans against him and says, who is it? Do we have that type of relationship with Jesus where we, can, we would feel comfortable leaning in, putting our arms around him, letting him put his arms around us? See, that's the heart of prayer. It's not words, it's not timeline. Do we, do you see yourselves as the beloved son or daughter of God? Do you see yourselves as a disciple, the disciple Jesus loved? We have, at Greencastle Christian Church, there was a guy who was a, a senior at DePaul when I met him, and he was always just, I mean, when, when, we, when we played music, it didn't matter what it was, he was, he was off. He, he was just with Jesus. And I went up to him one day to introduce myself, and, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And he said, I am blessed and highly favored. I, and that's what, that was his typical response. Hey, man, how are you doing? I am blessed and highly favored. Do you feel that you are blessed and highly favored? Or do you just say you're good? I'm good. Because that's a lie, isn't it? Because most of us aren't good. I don't think he was always good, but I think he understood that he was blessed and highly favored. Yeah, this is great, Tom. But you still haven't told me how. How, does, how is being a disciple, how, how, how do I do this? How do I have this type of relationship with Jesus? And let me just say that prayer isn't about words, but, what, but yet what we say does matter. And prayer isn't about when we pray, but the time in prayer does matter. Prayer isn't about how we pray, but our attitude matters. Prayer isn't about where we pray, but the location does matter. See, no, what really matters is who. We have to remember who. Who we're praying to and who we are. We have to remember who we're asking. We have to remember who we are without Jesus. And we have to remember who we are with Jesus. In this first book that I read from Brendan Manning called Abba's Child, he tells a story and it's a true story. And he said that one day he was working in his study and a lady came to the church and she said, Brennan, my, my father is very ill. He's about to pass away. And I, I would really like for you to go and, and pray with him. And so Brendan Manning has never met her father, but he goes to the address. He knocks on the door. They let him in. He goes into the bedroom where he is, her father is, and he, he sees a he sees a chair beside the bed, and he says, oh, you're expecting me. And he goes, I don't even know who you are. Why would I be expecting you? And he goes, well, I saw the chair pulled up by the bed, so I assume that you were expecting me. And he goes, no, 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 close, close the door. And so he closed the door, and he said, after they got to, through the introduction part, he said, Brennan, he said, years and years ago, I, I just, I, I couldn't pray. I didn't know how to pray. And so I went to the pastor at the church and I said, I, I'd love to learn to pray. I, I need to know how to pray. And so he gave me this book by some theologian from Swiss, Switzerland and says, this is the best thing on contemplative prayer that you'll ever read. And he said, Brennan, I, 
in the first 11 pages, I had to look up nine words. He goes, I didn't get what he was saying, so I took the book back to the pastor, and I said, here's your book, thank you. And he goes, in the back of my head, I was saying, thanks for nothing. And he said, so a few years later, my, my best friend from high school, we got reconnected, and I kind of just said something about, I wish I could pray. And he said, all you have to do is set a chair. And you sit down in a chair. And in faith, you look at the chair, and in faith, you see Jesus. And you just start talking to him like, you're, like he's your best friend. Just start talking to him. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you say it. You just start talking to him. And that's prayer. And he said, so Brennan, he goes, I've been doing that now for the last two years. And he said, here recently, I've been spending two, two and a half hours a day talking to Jesus. So Brennan, and he goes, I don't tell my daughter because I don't want her to think I'm crazy. And Brennan said, you're not crazy. You keep doing what you're doing. And he said, I prayed with the man and I went home. And a couple days later, his daughter came into my office and she said, hey, I just want you to know that last night daddy went to be with Jesus. And he, Brandon said, I asked her, did your dad pass peacefully? And she said, yeah. She said, I went in to tell him I was gonna go do some shopping and he told me a corny joke just kinda like he does. He told me that he loved me and he gave, I gave him a kiss on the cheek and he, she said, I'll be right back. And he said, oh, I'll be here. And she said, I was only gone an hour, and I came back in, and he was gone. She said, but a funny thing. He, for some reason, had moved, and his head was leaning on the chair. That's prayer. When we put our heads in the lap of our Savior. Let's pray. Father God, you love us with an incredible, unbelievable, amazing love, a love that we can't understand, we can't grasp. The closest we can get to it is understanding a relationship between a parent and a child, and even what we see on this planet is so imperfect. You are a good, good Father, and you love us with this a crazy, amazing love, and you desire us, you love us, and Lord, I just pray that we put our trust in that, that we trust that you love us as much as you say you do. And it's an unbelievable, incredible love. You've changed our lives forever. You've changed all eternity for us. We thank you for that amazing love. We thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the salvation that we have through him. Father God, may we not get caught up in words. May we not get caught up in checklists or time. May we just really open our hearts to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.